Hello and welcome to Conversations from the ANF podcast. In this episode, we speak to Peter, a solo adoptive parent. He shares his experience as a foster carer that ultimately led him to adopting a child he knew through his role as a scout leader and teacher. It's an unusual path to adoption and Peter shares some of the challenges along the way. As always, if you've experience of adoption, fostering or special guardianship from any perspective, personal or professional, and would like to share that on the podcast, please do get in touch through the Facebook page, Twitter, or you can email us at anfpodcast at gmail.com. My name's Peter and um, I'm a single parent and a school teacher. Now, you got in touch with me, Peter, because you wanted to tell your story, your experience, your perspective on adoption. So can you tell me, tell me, are you an adoptive parent? I am an adoptive parent. Um, my son I adopted just over five years ago. Right. Um, can you tell me why you came to adoption? That's the start point, really. Is what, what led you into deciding to make a family through that route? It's always been a desire to have a family. And um, while I was working full time as a teacher, I was always putting off, you know, I knew I wanted to adopt. There was other routes I could have gone down. And being a, a gay man, you, you know, you're restricted by which route you can go down. So I knew it was too expensive to go down and have a child of my own. So I knew adoption was the way. And while I was working full time, I was always putting it off, you know, when I'm comfortable, when I'm not too busy and all this sort of stuff. Um, and it was actually when I changed career, um, I left teaching um, after an experience, I actually became a foster carer first with a private agency. Um, right. That didn't work out too well. I had, unfortunately, a, a bad experience with a child that I fostered. And I put that in the back burner. I thought, that's not for me. And while I was uh, doing some supply teaching, it was actually a foster care of a child in my beaver section that I run that actually put the idea in my head of adopting a child that was in my beavers at the time. And that idea just didn't leave me. It stuck with me. And I knew adoption was something I wanted to do. And I just thought, what the hey? I've changed career after 12 years teaching. I've been this, I've been that. Might as well try, you know, go for it now because life's as busy as ever going to be. And I started the ball rolling. And then six months later, approved and he moved in. I mean, that's, you've, covered a lot of ground really quickly there there's an awful lot to unpack so are you comfortable with me talking to you a little bit about your fostering experience because we are the yeah. ANF podcast yeah so yeah. you decide again was it a similar desire desire to become a foster carer what sort of set you on that track well, some, some sort of you know I wanted to be some sort of parent figure I wanted to be you know helpful to children you know in a in a sort of domestic setting if you will rather than being in a school setting so I was, I was still humming hard about adoption, like being a permanent. So I thought fostering was a sort of good segue into it. You know, go through the fostering route, get that experience behind us sort of thing and see where I'm at was the sort of idea behind it at the time. Yeah. And how did you find the process of becoming a foster carer? Because it's it's not straightforward. It's not as like a, you know, it's not like three, no. a three-week process. Quite a long process. And um, I suppose it's, it, it, it's a talk about yourself. You've got to do a lot because obviously... They've got to know everything, all the ins and outs of everything about you and your history. So there's all these questions they've got to ask, and you've got to talk all this, all this stuff about yourself, about how you've dealt with experiences, relationships, that sort of thing. And then obviously there was interviews with close friends and family as well as part of the process. So overall, it was a hard process, and 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 I got through it. 
but at least there was something at the end of it I was working towards, which was that sort mm. of the, the pro, really. You know, yeah. we're getting somewhere with it. Because I, I, we've had a few other people on the podcast who sort of, uh, you know, single men who've navigated um, adoption um, and, and fostering, I think. Uh, and they sort of, not overtly necessary, but they sort of exper- they've experienced, some of them anyway, sort of experience of, uh, sort of people questioning the motivation of a single man or maybe some mm. prejudice or even stereotypes that are not necessarily positive. Did you pick any of that up? Was that your experience? or? Uh, no, I, I had a very pleasant experience. And I think I was very lucky with the person that was actually doing my interviewing and my phone. Um, I can't remember if he was a foster care himself or had been through the process. And he was just very open about it. Um, liked to sort of delve into different things about parts of my life, about being a gay man and my experiences at school and such like. But at no, at no point did I ever feel that I was being judged on that. Mm. It was always just, oh, that's great, that's great, we'll write this down. Oh, that's fantastic, can you tell me a bit more about this? Um, so it was always just information gathering, but I never felt there was an opinion being formed. Mm. What about in the wider community? Because I think, you know, Social workers, you'd hope it would be kind of pretty switched on to that mm. kind of stuff. But what about you know? I don't want to. I don't want to draw you on the rocks of difficult conversations, particularly. But what about family and you know people outside of that that kind of going, oh, what is that? You know what? Or was it just not? Yeah. Am I just fishing for something that's not there? For me, it was just it. it there was nothing like that. For me, it was a right. very supportive. All my friends knew I wanted children. So they knew for me this was a potential route into eventually maybe to adopt at some point. And my family knew that as well. And everyone was backing me to the hill sort of thing. It was like, yeah, we know this is what you want to do. So like I say, it was a, just a very positive experience overall. Uh, I think, yeah, it was a long process. And I think even my parents, when they were interviewed as part of the fostering process, they felt a bit uncomfortable about that because of how much they had to go into detail. Um, so they were like, yeah, I hope I said this right. It's like, don't worry about it. It's just part of the form. They just need to know who we are. Yeah. Um, but in the end, they, they were fine with this. Mm. You know, they were just a bit uneasy at first. Yeah. So, so you got approved, and you sort of you mentioned at the beginning that you had a, a you sort of hinted it didn't work out. Are you comfortable sort of giving us a, a you know, what that what that means, what happened? Yeah. Um, I think overall, I, I fostered three children during my time, but um, and it was through a private agency. It wasn't through a county. Um, yeah. And the first uh, two experiences were absolutely fine, no bother. But the third child, um, when I read the unit, because you get an initial form when you're fostering about the needs of the child and everything else. And when they initially got in touch, I was like, no, no, I, I'm not experienced enough for this child. Um, but then my social worker at the time got in touch with someone else and and basically they came out and had a conversation with me. And almost I felt, you know, the twist of the arms sort of like, oh, if I, if I don't look after this child for this respite care of, I think it was 16 nights, then he might not go back to the main carer as part of the company. And I didn't know enough about foster at the time to know, right. is this true or is it not? And I thought I didn't want to leave this child hanging or anything. So in the end, I sort of went with it. And I look back and I think, I wish I went with that gut because yeah. this child had a lot more severe needs than than I was ready for at that point. I'd only had two previous children and they hadn't been consistently over like a long period of time. One child was a couple of weekends over, you know, a few weekends over a month and the other child was a couple of nights. That was it. So this would be a long, longer period than I had done previously. And there was just a lot of needs there that I just didn't feel 
I was ready for. And unfortunately, I was right about it. Um, about halfway, th- uh, not halfway through, just before halfway through, I had a bit of a sort of meltdown on the phone to the social work going, I can't cope. It's it's, yeah. it's it's too difficult. And they put in lots of support to encourage, to make sure the placement lasted. But I just felt it was pressure I shouldn't have been under. And yeah. I just, in the end, I just felt like they didn't listen to me as I was telling them. And there was a side comment made at one point that they'd never put in a support package like it. And I just felt, you know, I felt very small, yeah. Um, by that, and it was just like, no, if this is how you treat someone who's brand new to the role, this is not something I can do longer term for you. I, yeah. And it took me a while to sort of feel comfortable about the idea of um, doing work again. After a while, I needed to take a couple of weeks off after that experience to sort of get my right. head back together because it was a difficult couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was the experience, and in the end. And I, I put my notice in after that point. It was like, no, that, that it was too much, and you didn't listen. I mean, that must have been heartbreaking, you know, because it doesn't sound like it, it's not that you had a twenty-five-year career in fostering and eventually put your notice mm. in. It feels like that you were just finding your feet, and then this sort yeah. of pulled them from you. Yeah, and 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 I go back to the key point of the form. You know, as I remind them, it's like in the initial form I got, it said this child should be in a two-parent household. I'm a single parent. Yeah. So you know, I had no, you know, I had no one else there 100 percent of the time to sort of alleviate any of the stress. I had to be there constantly all the time, and it was a lot of hard work. So that must have really knocked your confidence. I mean, because I'm, I'm thinking that about you know, then however long it was forwards from that, you then decide to become an adoptive parent. Yeah. Was that sort so, of hanging over you? It was, and and I almost thought it might go against me when it came to the adoption because that was a roundabout. I think it was early April. I, I was approved. I can't remember the year. Early April, I was approved as a foster carer, and I think it was by June this had happened, and I'd sort of put my notice in. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about maybe it was October um, that year that the adoption um, idea had been planted. Uh, yeah. Um, but I suppose what made that different when I went for the adoption <clears throat> was it's a child I'd known for a year and a bit in my Beaver Scouts. And I knew the the foster care family very closely, and they they they've been someone I'd been spoken to a lot through my own foster experience. So they'd been someone I'd gone to previously, so right. I had plenty of conversations. So they knew where I was in my headspace as well. Because that's quite unusual, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the sort of the standard route for adoption is that people are approved as adopters and then they go family mm-hmm. finding. But for you to kind of like find a child, and then it is yeah. backwards. So was was the you know, I'm, I don't want you to tell which agency was. Was it a regional adoption? It wouldn't have been a regional adoption agency. It was a local authority then, was it? And were they open yeah, to that a, suggestion? It was a private one within, within the region, right? Okay. And so, were they? Yeah. Was that a difficult sell? Was it? Did you have to persuade people, or was it just? It, did they all click into place? It, it was actually. It, it went very quickly. Um, by the time I registered my interest to adopt my son. Um, they they sort of had a list made by him about what he wanted, and it was like I want a dad, I want um, a house, I want friends, I want a family, I want a pet in the family. There was like a list of things that he had wrote down, and I sort of ticked a lot of those boxes. So the social work seemed quite happy. I said, "No, put your name forward, get going with it." 
And with agreement with the social worker, the foster family actually um, had him for a couple of weekends uh, while I was going through the process of, you know, fill out all the adoption forms and everything else. So I put the forms in, must be November time, after I registered my interest. And it was April following that, that I was uh, approved for both foster care and, uh, sorry, adopter and adopter my son, both on the same day. So approved <laughs> and matched on the same day. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds like a, I mean, going back to the previous April, you'd, you're approved as a foster care, a year later, you're adopting a little boy. Yeah. That seems like quite a year, quite a journey. It, it, it was definitely, a, 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 from even uh, teaching full time, and then it was just like supply teaching, foster care, uh, supply teaching, adopt, and then <laughs> back at the teacher, um, obviously, because I needed to have a job after adopted him. It, but it was a, a record couple of years. It was mm. a very strange couple of years. Yeah, so tell me then about how, because we've got a no, again, a, a sort of a normal idea of introductions where a child, you know, meets a person for the first time. Mm-hmm. So how has that managed with you already, you know, sounds like you had a very close, ongoing relationship yeah. with this child. So how was that discussed? And, you know, how did he, how was that idea introduced to him as a little boy? Um, From my understanding, because obviously he'd been, like I say, in my Beaver Scout section, for a whole year and a bit beforehand. So yes, there had been that close relationship because he sort of had sort of clung to me a little bit more within the sort of section meetings. Um, and actually what was bizarre was during that time when I was doing the form, I actually ended up doing supply teaching at his school <laughs> um, for, for a period of like five weeks. And so I was there at Beavers, at schools, so he saw me quite regularly. And then with the foster family had agreed a couple of weekends so there was like a closer connection being formed mm. over that period of time uh, through those, uh, through through both their supply teacher and sort of looking after him a couple of weekends. And then when I was approved, I was asked to, uh, well, before I was approved, sorry, I was asked to put a book together sort of to show my family and everything else to reveal who I was. Um, <laughs> and I think that was the reveal. So he was given that book when I was approved as the, uh, the adopter and with him, that book was handed over to him to sort of see who was adopting. And then it was, um, I was literally told at the meeting, it was April the 1st, I had my meeting, uh, the panel meeting, sorry. And they said, right, you've got this week, uh, you see him every night, you know, build up a bit more relationship every night, and then next week he's moving in. So April 8th, oh, he moved in. Wow. It was a week. I mean, that must have been nerve-wracking in the sense that, how did you feel about the day he was being told and... What did I mean? It sounds like you knew him. So, do you know? Did you think it was going to be okay, or was there still questions? Um, I thought I thought it was going to be okay because I thought, yeah, I'm I'm okay with this kid, you know. I, I'm, I'm yeah. And um, and yes, I knew there was probably going to be things I didn't know, which obviously I found out later on um, that I needed to sort of address later on. Yeah. Um, so I saw the background stuff. So I might need therapy and such like. Um, so I knew there might be things that are unknowns, but I felt no, the relationship's strong enough. Um. I know I ticked the boxes he wants, and yeah, I was looking forward to it. I was like, you know, I wasn't too nervous about him moving in. I was just nervous about me being a dad. Right? Would I be, would I be good enough in that role? You know, this is like, and I wanted to work. I wanted to be permanent. I don't want this to be a sort of a failed placement or anything. Mm. I think it was just a nerves about is this going to work? Am I going to be good enough? What What were you thinking about? What his response would be? Because he knew you. 
Um, but that's mm-hmm. quite a difference to being known as oh, someone I like and someone I see it like yeah. literally everywhere. You can like almost stalking him everywhere he turns. You're there, um, in a nicer sense. Um, were you concerned about his response, or was there a kind of a question mark? How will he take this? I I wasn't concerned. I think I was quite positive in in my outlook and his response because of I think the relationship we had formed, and also from what the Foscar had said. Because I think I believe there was a comment made just before the panel meeting a, a week or two, where he'd actually asked the question of the foster carer, "I wish Peter would adopt me, or I wish I had, he was my dad." Well, that's I mean that's all like one of those magical fairy stories, isn't it? Like where it, all yeah. the things align. You know, it's a Disney kind of version of stuff. But yeah. so, what was it like then moving in? Because it seemed like you say you've been on the fast track here, so you moved in, and was it was it was there teething troubles? Was it, or was it just kind of a continuation of the relationship? I think it was a continuation of the relationship because it was quite, like you say, fast moving. And fortunately, I, and I have to say, the local authority were very good about it because obviously I was a supply teacher. Normally, when you adopt, you get given an a, a, a adoption leave, yeah. which I wasn't entitled to because of being a supply teacher and only being the job for a short while. So the local authority actually said, we'll pay your salary in the short term, knowing that you're going to get a job in September, because um, we're looking at the longer term goal. So I had no pressure on me to worry about finances in that mm. early time. So when he moved in, we had the Easter holiday, two weeks, and obviously we had an appointment at the school uh, where I wanted him to go. But they had to appeal because of numbers. So I knew I had a couple more weeks to play with. So we had four to five weeks of just me and him getting to know each other in the house, going out places and doing things. And I think that was a valuable sort of five weeks of time together before he was then going off to school and then obviously, you know, getting into that routine. Yeah. So how has life been then as a... You know, these dream, this dream of, um, you know, like you say, caring for a child in a domestic setting, which sounds pretty <laughs> technical, but being a dad, being a family. Yeah. How, is, how did that measure up to your expectation? I think it's, um, I think you have an expectation of being, you know, when you don't have kids, you think, oh, it's going to be this way, it's going to be that way. Oh, I'm going to do this as a parent. And actually, once you're in there as a parent, a lot of those things go out the window <laughs> because, you know, you, you could try things out, but then they don't necessarily work. You know, I'm going to make sure my child's in bed by this time or I'm going to make my child do this. You know, a lot of those things, you just, you learn on the job really, don't you? Mm. And, and I suppose it was a sort of, a, in some respects, a baptism of bias or thing being dropped in it there with a at then six-year-old because that's how old he was when I adopted him, six years old. Um, so, so much of a ready-formed child with own personality and own likes and dislikes, you know, you, you know, and you've got to try and adjust to a new setting. So there was, you know, sometimes friction because you want certain things a certain way, but it was like, no, different setting now. <laughs> These are the rules. Um, but it's definitely something I wouldn't change. It's, it's you know, it, it's been a marvellous time and... I think one of the biggest things I had a steep learning curve because um, my son was you have to go for like um, checkups like with therapists to see where they are in in terms of their mental health and well-being and such like and it was decided that my son needed to help with attachment and potentially ADHD so therapy had been set up so we would be attending therapy and 
uh, weekly as well to help address sort of the needs that he needed there as well. And that was quite an experience because I didn't know much about attachment because you only learn so much on you when you uh, apply to be foster care or even a doctor. You have these short sort of training sessions about it and you touch on it. But when I was there in the therapy sessions, it was a steep learning curve, having to take my son back to various places, holding him like a baby, cradling him, because that was a need he had at some points. Or um, having to look into his eyes and say, um, I love, you know, things like I love you or you are okay, you are safe, you know, those sort of mantras of, you know, yeah. making sure that you understand how safe he is or how loved he is um, and that sort of thing. And there was even emotions being heightened so when he was feeling playful being almost um animal like with growls and purrs um when he was feeling like need that he needed to be cuddled or be like a baby his mannerisms and his voice turned into that of a baby so there's like these different sides to to my son at various points and just having to address these different needs it was just, mm-hmm. like i say a steep learning curve and that's an awful, I mean, that sounds like a lot to take on as a single carer, a solo carer. Um, and so was that, I mean, did you have to build this of a new support network? We, or, you know, that must have been quite a difficult challenge of you know, supporting yeah. a child in the midst of all of that. I think what helped was uh, working part time. So I had some time to myself when he was at school because I needed those sort of times to sort of gather my own head sometimes. Um, but I, certainly, you know, friends have stepped up, family stepped up. It was like, you know, there's these needs and we have to address them. And I think my parents struggled a little bit with it because obviously different generation, different idea mm. of how to bring up a child, and how to deal with things and try to sort of share with them the new strategies. You know, I, I think um, my, my dad found it hardest, you know, having to deal with it, you know, how behaviours might be presented um, at various points. So it ended up having to be, you know, my dad having to take a step back and let me deal with it. And it's like, over time, he's got more comfortable with things. And my mom yeah. was a lot quicker at it. Um, but certainly, friends and everything just jumped in straight away and supported me to help, you know, follow my lead. It was like, this is how we're going to deal with this. And they just followed the lead. And fortunately for me, my close friend worked at the school I sent him to. So she could help advise the staff, you know, on strategies as well. So I would go to these meetings and tell them, but she was there to sort of back them up. And for me, it, it was great because my son developed a great relationship with her. I mean, even call that honorary man, you know, because that's how close relationship is. So if there was ever troubles at school, they knew that they could depend on her to help if there was a problem. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you've been together a while now. Things are ticking along. Mm-hmm. Um what does the future look like for you two? It's very positive, you know. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's looking good because it's a very close relationship. I mean, he even says to me now, and, and he's thirteen. Oh, I'm never going to leave home, Dad. I'm never going to leave home. <laughs> I'm going to stay with you forever. <laughs> I don't want to leave home. <laughs> um, so I, I think it looks very bright, and unfortunately for us, Sam. Um, the therapy ended just over a year ago as well. He didn't. He doesn't need regular therapy anymore because we're able to address a lot of needs. But I know it's there in the background. If ever things pop up, we can get back mm. in touch and, you know, have sessions if need be. But I think 
he's come a long way, an absolute long way. And anyone who knows him knows he's come a long way as well. Hmm. And you know, it, it's it's looking rosy. Future's looking rosy. Hmm. I was going to sort of ask you about, you know, what does the future look like for you? I mean, in some ways. Um, I think when you adopt a child who's a little bit older, the, the parenting experience is very, all of a sudden, he's 13. Um, so do you look and think, is that desire still there? You know, do you think, oh, actually, maybe this, is there an, would you adopt again? It's a funny one. I, so people have asked that, would I adopt again? And my answer changes. Sometimes it's a yes, because I could see how far I've come with my son. Then other times I'm thinking, hmm, but there was a lot there, you know, mentally I had to be there a lot of the time. And, yeah, I, and, you know, it can be, it could be exhausted at times, you know, how, how persistent his behaviors could be and how consistent I had to be with some of my strategies. It, it could be exhausted at times. And I think would I necessarily have the energy again? I'm not sure. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it would I do it again? I'm not sure. I, I, I change all the time between it. I really do. We're not going to hold you to it. Don't worry. Uh, we've just made contact with one of his birth siblings and we've now had con- uh, physical face-to-face contact with him a few times now. And that's been very good for my son because having that link, I think, to the past has been great for him. Um, knowing that he can see one of his brothers because he's one of six children. And I adopted him by himself. Um, so having that link to the previous fam, you know, to his birth family, I think is good as well for him. So, I mean, sometimes adopters feel that can be quite a challenging experience for an adoptive parent because, mm-hmm. you know, insecurities perhaps manifest or anxieties around, you know, all of the reasons why children became adopted. And so how did you find that experience, you know? It was nerve-wracking. Um the the uh, the mother of the adopted brother got in touch previously a couple of years ago, and at that time, I don't think I was really ready for it uh, myself because I was, you know, dealing a lot with my son, you know, trying to make sure everything was comfortable at home and whatnot. And it wasn't until um, last November that I then got back in touch and yeah, let's get let's meet up sort of thing, and we met as two single parents chatting about our our boys <laughs> and lots of similarities even though they were adopted separately you know we could have lots of conversations there was lots of similarities between them lots of things that they like that are the same and then we started to meet up and the boys have been fantastic from day one just a very positive relationship between the two mm. and that's what alleviated any fears because i was worried how are they going to be it you know are they going to be okay with each other and so far, so good, really. You know, five five meets down and, you know, very positive. And I guess there's also those anxieties around, will it upset my child? Will it kind of yeah. cause a kind of a, a disruption that I can't sort of contain? And, you know, yeah. all of those anxieties about the impact on you, on the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 like I said, there was lots of worries like that and um, whether or not it would be positive. But so far, it seems to have been a very positive experience from, and from both myself and the other adoptive parent. We're both like seeing the positives as well, because my son's very positive about the idea of seeing brother, um, 
looks forward to it, asks, oh, when can we meet up again? And it's the same for her. You know, brother asks the same questions. And they get very excited about talking to friends. So their friends at school know about it, that they're seeing their, their birth brothers. And it's been, like I say, a good experience for both. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time. Um, really appreciate you being so open and honest about your experience, mm-hmm. and which is quite... It's quite a unique experience. Do you meet Do you meet many adopters yeah. who've kind of travelled the same path as you? Um, I, I haven't actually. Um, I haven't met many uh, other adopters, but I haven't met many that have had the same sort of path. Um, I think for some, it's been a longer path from fostering to adoption. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I have. My mine was very short. <laughs> it was quite quick, um, and I know that was one of the concerns when I was going through the adoption process. That was one of the things they raised. You know my experiences from fostering is that, you know, yeah. how am I going to deal with those sort of things if they came up? Um, but obviously I did learn new strategies. I, I knew about my network. Um, and so I was able to alleviate those fears uh, from the adoption, uh, from the local authority going through the adoption. Mm. But yeah, it, 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 when I look back, it was a very unique two years. <laughs> yeah. And it is a unique story. And in some ways, you know, the introduction you had was probably the best introduction you, he mm. could have and you could both have of each other, just getting to yeah. know each other, no pressure. And that's it. And I, look back, I think, would I have adopted had I not known the child as well as I did? And I think I probably wouldn't have done. I think what helped was knowing the child. Oh, that's that's a real question, isn't it? You know, If you'd seen a, a referral with his details on... Yeah. That's a complete. That's a really complicated conversation, isn't it? That one. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. And and I'll think back and I'm thinking, would I necessarily have adopted if I hadn't known? And I'm not sure I can say yes to it. And I think having that relationship prior to the adoption really helped. Yeah, it wasn't just a, a list of, you know, just details, dates, times, places. He, he was an actual human being, a little person. Yeah, exactly. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you sharing your story and I wish you both well in the future, whether you adopt again or not. Thank you very much and I've uh, enjoyed being on. Thank you very much.